Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. So as I mentioned before, we've been in a sermon series for a couple weeks now called Asking for a Friend. And when someone tags asking for a friend to the end of a question, it means they have a question they want to ask, but they're kind of hiding behind saying, well, I'm just asking this on behalf of someone else. And so we've been asking these questions. We've been focusing on questions that non-Christians, that people outside of the church want to ask of Christians. And so we've talked about why do Christians seem so angry all the time? We've talked about what is, what is, why does Christianity seem so patriarchal? And we dug into the truth of what scripture really says about gender roles in the church. And then last week we took a look at politics and we said, what is a new Testament perspective of politics and how as Christians, how can we have a better understanding of our role and how we can interact with politics? And so I'd encourage you, if you missed any of those weeks, if you're interested, we podcast everything so you can always catch up on a previous message that way. But today we're talking about one last question. I know there's more we could do in the series. Maybe we'll do another series like this coming up again. But in this one, this is a subconscious question. This is a question that often doesn't get verbally spoken. Instead, it just sits in the back of people's minds and they want to ask it, but they often don't. But to introduce it, we're going to watch a video together. So there's kind of two sides happening in that video, isn't there? There's the side uh, of this person being like, oh, that, that, that just ended the friendship right there, didn't it? See, this question that often is in the backs of people's minds is this. Are you being friendly just to invite me to church? Sometimes followers of Christ get treated with a little bit of suspicion as you're kind of like wondering, you know, are, do you just have an ulterior motive on this? And maybe, you know, if, if this question comes up, you're really asking like, do I actually matter to you or am I just someone to, that you want to invite? Is this just a thing you're trying to do? Now, maybe today you were, are, are a little more polite Canadian-ish and you got invited here and you're here and you're watching this video and you're like, that's what we're talking about today because you just were too polite to run away in the playground. And if that's the case, I just want to say thank you for being here. You're going to have a unique perspective on this today. And I hope that as we talk about this message that you'll kind of look at this and go, yeah, that is a better way to have a conversation. Because there's also the other side of this. There's the side of us as followers of Jesus How do we talk about our faith? How do we share our faith in ways that helps people actually understand this? How do we share our faith in ways that don't drive people away? How do we do these conversations better? Because there has to be a way that we can talk about faith that doesn't cause fear or stress or running away and leaving stuff behind because you just want to get out of there. We we need to figure out this. How do we talk about our faith in ways that don't cause that kind of reaction. Because let's just be honest, our world has this kind of perception of followers of Jesus, that, this is, that it's kind of like a subculture, that there's things that are, are wit- different and unique and sometimes weird about followers of Jesus. And so we're going to talk about some of that today. And we're going to dive into this. How do we talk about our faith in ways that does not cause fear or stress? Because like I said, this is a question that people ask, but it's a question that often stays deep buried in the back of their minds. They're often not willing to actually bring it up, to pause that conversation in the middle and say, wait, wait, are you getting to know us just because you want to invite us somewhere? So how do we do this better? And underneath this whole thing, there's a, a theological term that maybe you've heard before or I'm going to introduce called evangelism. And it's this word that simply means telling someone about the good news of Jesus. 
And so sometimes we've heard it in terms of like, well, something's evangelistic. That means their intention was to share and to talk about Jesus. Or if someone's called an evangelist, that means, you know, their role is they want to go and just always tell people about Jesus. But evangelism is simply telling people about Jesus. And it's a core part of what it means to follow Jesus. This is just what it is. And it is every believer's responsibility. This is just the ground level of this is what it means to follow Jesus. Part of it is saying we need to share Jesus. And the reason for this goes all the way back to when Jesus was with his disciples one of the last times after his death and after his resurrection. He met with his disciples and he gave them the commissioning of the church. This is the launch of the church in this moment at the end of the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus tells his disciples this, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives his followers, gives us today this task. Now, when we look at this, there's often a lot of misconceptions around how to share Jesus. And when I was about eight or nine years old, I had a really big misconception about sharing your faith. Because I, I grew up in this, in this kind of small church and nothing against the church. They were doing everything right. But I sat and I listened to the pastor talk about the need to share your faith. And there was just a little tiny core concept that I missed. I sat there and I was worried. And I was fearful because I thought to share my faith with someone meant that Jesus was going to leave my heart and go to them. Because there's only one Jesus, Right? So I had this in my mind, and I was worried about this for like weeks, thinking like, I have Jesus right now, but someone else is going to need them. And like, am I going to obey enough to give up Jesus so everyone else can? And I mean, everyone in this church must have done that for Jesus to like go from person to person to person. Like, now he's with me, and if, if I don't, this whole thing ends. Like, Christianity dies on my shoulders if I don't be obedient enough to give up Jesus. Now, fortunately, I was like eight or nine at the time, and I read a little bit more of my Bible, and I listened more, and then I realized, oh, wait a second. If I tell someone about Jesus, I'm not losing Jesus. (laughs) Everyone can have Jesus. See, there's that core little concept that I couldn't get my head wrapped around. So just to be like brutally crystal clear, if you tell someone about Jesus, you're not giving up and losing your own faith. Like, let's just be clear on that. Maybe... Someone needs to know that the way that I needed to know that. But when we look at this concept, when we look at this, why do we share our faith? One of the things that's true is that most of Christians believe this very strongly. In fact, the Barna Group is a research and pollster group that that surveys followers of Jesus across North America. And this was a survey they did just at the beginning of 2019. And they said 95% of Christians surveyed agreed with the statement that part of my faith means being a witness for Jesus. We understand this, that if we're choosing to put our trust in Jesus, that part of that trust is also, we're also meant to be a witness for Jesus. And so why does this matter? Why does 95% of the church agree with this statement? I'm really curious about the other five. Like, I'm just curious, but we don't know. But if we really believe what Jesus taught, if we spend time reading the four accounts of Jesus' life, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if we spend time looking at how Jesus interacted with people, if we spend time looking at what he taught, and we start realizing the things he taught, things about forgiveness, about grace, about abundant life being found in Jesus, salvation, eternal life, if we believe what Jesus taught, how could we not share this message? 
if we actually recognize this is what it means and what God has done for us already, how could we not want to share that? How, do we, how could we hold that back from other people? So underneath this, are you being friendly just to invite me to church? Yes, there is a layer of saying, we want people to know Jesus. And we know that the church is a way of representing Jesus to the world. But there's a couple core concepts that we're going to talk about today that are going to help us do this better. And here's the first one right off the bat. People are not projects. See, in the church over the last hundred years, there have been a lot of kind of different ways of teaching about how do we get better at sharing our faith. And a lot of that boils down to how do we make it easier? How do we reduce the fear and the stress and the anxiety that might come with talking about Jesus? How do we make this easier? And one of the things that got taught at some point, and I couldn't find an exact date of when, whoever was the first one to come up with this concept, was this term, friendship evangelism. And at first look, it seems really great. You know, find someone, become their friend, get to have a relationship with them in that relationship and invite them to church, pick a new friend, start over. And there's some you know, there's some good things about that. You know, I believe that it's important to share a faith with an underlying relationship. But the problem with that perspective is it does mean you are starting that friendship with an ulterior motive. You are starting that friendship with an intent of, I'm going to get to know my neighbor just so I can lead them to Jesus. And we got to drop that piece of it. We got to change our mindset to say, I'm going to get to know my neighbor because God created us to live in relationships with one another. God created us to be social beings. In fact, recent studies have been showing that loneliness has the same health detriments as smoking. Maybe that's why people who take smoke breaks take them in groups because they're trying to, you know, smoking's doing enough damage, they can't be lonely. Right? Maybe, I don't know. But we were designed to be social. We were designed to live in relationships with one another, and that is a good thing. God himself is relational. God wants to be in a relationship with us. And so that's a starting point. And we do want to share our faith with others. Like we've talked about, if we really believe what Jesus taught, that we should want to share this. But this idea of saying, I'm going to pick someone just as like a target to share my faith with them. We've got to drop that and say, no, I want to be their friend. I want to be with you know, be in a relationship, I want to get to know them because they matter as a person first. And in fact, like I started off in youth ministry, like many pastors do, and there was, uh, I, I fortunately was not in a youth group and I never taught this, but I had heard the legends of it. There's another form of friendship evangelism called flirt to convert. Maybe you've, you've heard of that. Of, uh, <laughs> I don't recommend that. Like that's not really a good technique because that is again treating people like a project. But instead, if we build genuine friendships, we get to share with people that they matter to us as a person first, not as a target for evangelism. And so how do you know if you've done this well? Well, here's the simple thing. If you invite your friend to church and they decline, or maybe you have a conversation about faith and they shut it down, do not let that change your friendship. Because if you write that person off and say, no, I'm not going to talk to you now, that means they were just a project to you. That means that friendship, that relationship didn't have the substance that it needed to have. So if you talk with someone and you, you know, faith comes up and you say, well, this is what I believe. And they say, no, I'm not going to talk about that. You know, how, how about that sports game coming up? I don't, I don't follow sports. Apparently there's a big game or something today. But don't let that change your friendship. Don't let that change your relationship. Don't cut that person out of your life if they're not willing to have a faith conversation. 
See, D.L. Moody, he was an evangelist, an author, and a publisher that lived in the later half of the 1800s. He said this, he said, out of a hundred people, one will read the Bible, but the other 99 will read the Christian. How we carry ourselves, how we live our lives matters because we are the Bible that most people will look at first. We are the, what most people will look at first to make a decision about what they think about God will often start with, well, how do Christians act? How do followers of Jesus carry themselves? How do they exist? How do they live their lives? So let's say you do get into a conversation about faith. And again, like I said, most of the training that churches have done about this has often been about risk reduction. How do we make this simpler? How do we, you know, boil it down? And one of the the techniques that often gets done is to take our faith and reduce it into a series of four steps. Into a, if you talk about A, then you talk about B, then you talk about C, then you talk about D, then they're going to fall on their knees and they're going to give their lives to Jesus and heaven's angels in heaven cheer and celebrate, which I think they do every time someone chooses to put their life in Jesus. But we take it and we shove it into this linear progression. If I talk about this, and then I talk about this, and then I talk about this, and I talk about this, they're going to get saved. Problem is that is a linear formula. And a linear formula, even though it's good to have the talking points, a linear formula doesn't let Jesus meet them where they are at. It doesn't let Jesus meet them in where their current struggle is or where their current need is or where their questions are. And so when you get a chance to talk about your faith, to share this is who I am, this is what I believe, don't reduce our faith into a formula. Because faith is not math. It's not about a formula that you can balance out the numbers and have an equation, and at the bottom line, when all the numbers reduce down, it guarantees that someone will put their trust in Jesus. That's not how God works. But we do need to say, well, what do we say? And in fact, when Peter, one of the disciples later on in his life, he was one of the church planters that went around and was instructing churches and planting churches and and preaching the gospel, one of the first evangelists. He wrote a couple letters that we have in our New Testament And in one of them, he encourages the churches he's writing to. He's writing to a group of churches, not just one church when he sent this letter out. He said this to them in 1 Peter 3, 15. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Many times we've maybe had a faith conversation that, you know, those last gentle and respectful qualifiers maybe weren't part of. And we got to let go of that. And say, how do we talk about our faith? But notice the impetus on this. Notice where Peter starts. He says, if someone asks you about it. Now, does that mean we should always just wait for someone to ask? No, sometimes you've got to initiate the conversation. But the problem with this is that most of the questions that people have about faith, well, they're not asking people. Do you know what people do with questions they have that they don't want to ask? You ask Google. In fact, people would rather ask Google questions about faith than to ask a real person. Because Google, you're faceless, you're anonymous. You can search for anything you want. You can ask any question you want to Google. And you can find you know, whatever resources you find that way. And it can be your own journey of discovery. You don't have to involve anyone else in that. problem with it is Google, while it's a great search engine, it's terrible at filtering truth. Google doesn't actually have the answers that Jesus does. And this is why Peter says, always be prepared to answer. Because if someone brings up a question 
about faith, someone wants to have that conversation, you've got to say, well, how do I answer that? So how do we get people to ask us the questions they would rather ask Google? Well, here's the first one. You've got to be open about your faith, and you've got to be hard to offend. I think this is one of the core marks of what it means as Jesus works in our lives, is that we need to become people that are hard to offend. We need to be people that it's hard to get under our skin, hard to bother us, hard to get us to react with anger. And if you're curious about that, you can go back to the first message of this series when we talked about this. Why do Christians get a a perception about them that we're angry at the world all the time? We've got to learn how to be open about our faith. That means we wear our faith openly, that people start to recognize, you know, you are someone that can be talked to about this. And secondly, after we talk about being open about your faith and hard to offend, we also got to choose to be honest about what we don't know. Now, we may say Google knows everything, and sometimes, you know, honestly, if you're like, I think this is in the Bible or not, Google the phrase, see if a Bible passage pops up, because sometimes there's things that we think are in the Bible that actually aren't. Sometimes there's these, you know, cliche phrases and these sayings about Christianity that we're like, I'm sure that's in there somewhere, but it's actually not. And so if someone asks a question and you're like, I don't know the answer to this, please don't make it up. Please don't make it up on the spot. Because, you know, that's, that's maybe this is a little off, but maybe that's why we have so many different churches and so many different denominations. Because someone was on the spot someday and was like, uh, 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 well, maybe God was this way. Oh, yeah, yeah, now, now you've committed to that path. Now you've got to hold that path to save face. You know, that's not really where you want to end up taking this conversation, is it? But you've got to stay and said, if someone asks a question you honestly don't know, here's what you can practice. I don't know. Let's find out together. Let's say that together. I don't know. Let's find out together. That's a simple response to say, now we're on a journey. Now you've invited that person to come along and say, well, let's figure this out together. So we've got to be honest about what we don't know if we want people to ask us questions instead of asking Google. And the last one is this. We've got to be simple and clear in our answers. Sometimes Christians get a reputation of almost like we have our own version of English. We have our own terms and jargon and theological terms. And like, I have a theological degree. I could get up here and we could talk about propitiation or atonement. They're actually the same thing. Uh, We could talk about fancy theological technical terms until we're blue in the face. But technical theological terms don't actually mean something to someone who is just asking is God real? Does God love me? Does God have a plan? Does God have a purpose that he wants? Why is my life falling apart? Theological terms don't answer those questions. And so we got to make a choice to say, when we are in a faith conversation, do we speak plainly? Do we speak in a way where we seek to be understood? So, how do we do this? You know, we won't always be able to rely on other people asking the questions. Sometimes we got to prompt. Sometimes we got to be open. But try not to shoehorn Jesus into every conversation. If someone's talking about the football game and you somehow steer that into Jesus was the quarterback of the disciples, it's like, what? Where did that come from? There's a term for that. It's called the Jesus juke. It means when you shove Jesus into a conversation that wasn't remotely about faith, don't do that. Because all it does is make people go, wait, wait, what? And then they want to just steer the conversation somewhere else because they're like, or maybe they're just like the video and they, you know, grab their kids and run. 
So instead, we need to be able to have real conversations about real topics before we'll get to talk about faith in Jesus. Now, for me, when, you know, often when you meet someone new, you ask this question, you know, what do you do? And uh, sometimes, if, if I'm a little like, I'm not sure what I say, I lead a nonprofit organization. People go, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. And then it's like, well, what kind? I'm like, uh, church. You, so you're a pastor. Yeah, I'm a pastor. Oh, okay. That, that's how that conversation sometimes goes. Or sometimes I'm just straight up, oh, I'm the pastor. And uh, a while ago, about I think it was about two years ago, uh, I did a wedding. And when you do a wedding, you're up at the front with the bride and groom. Everyone sees your face. Everyone knows, oh, you're the pastor. And so what always happens at weddings is like, I often know the couple, but I don't really know the extended family or any of their friends or guests. And so I, I'm sure couples are always like, well, where do we stick him for the reception? Where do we put, you know, that guy that knows only like us, but you don't stick him at the head table. That'd just be really weird. Don't, if, if I'm doing a wedding, do not put me at the head table. That would just be weird. Anyways, so I get put at this table with this, this couple and I could tell immediately when they realized they sat down, they saw me and they're like, we're at the table with the pastor. Oh no, what are we going to do? That was kind of their response. And so you can only make small talk for so long and polite conversation. And so after about an hour or so, and after this couple had had a drink or two, I think her, the ice was broken, and she was willing to ask a question. And she said, can I ask you something? And I could tell in her tone of voice, she was scared. She was worried to ask this question. And I'm like, this is a question you've had for a while. And she says, why are there so many different churches? If there's only one God, why are there so many different churches? I said, that's a great question. Let's talk about it. I'm not going to answer that right now because... We don't have the time for it right now because we actually talked for an hour. I spent an hour talking with this couple at this wedding reception, and we didn't end the conversation there. In fact, it started going into, well, what's Jesus really like? What's the Bible really say about some of these topics? And I could tell every time we went deeper in this conversation, these were questions that had been on their minds for a long time. And as we're talking and as we're going through this, I could see that there was this kind of like, you know, almost like cracks in the wall forming. They had built this wall between them and faith and them and God, and there was some cracks starting to form. And after about an hour or so, they just said, you know, thank you for taking the time to talk about this. I don't know who I would have asked these questions of. I said, that's what pastors are here for. I love answering people's questions. I love talking about these things with people. That's partially why, you know, God put me in this role and taking this journey of my life. And at the end of the conversation, they just thanked me. And, you know, we went our different ways. They weren't from around here. I hope they found a church in their hometown. I don't know. I didn't even get, like, contact information. I didn't track them down. But I'm just trusting and choosing that something of what was said in that evening helped them on a journey. And this is one of the things that we need to realize when we talk about our faith is this, that choosing to follow Jesus is not a one-step journey. Choosing to follow Jesus doesn't happen in an instant. Maybe sometimes it does and the Holy Spirit convicts and that can happen. But generally, if you even look at your own journey of faith, did it happen all at once in an instant? Did it happen in one instant? Because some people would say, you know, you, you missed out. Like that couple, you should have led them to Jesus right there. You should have had them pray a sinner's prayer, which, by the way, was not actually in the Bible. You should have convinced them that they needed to give their lives to Jesus in that moment. But no, that's not where they were at. They were at the very beginning of asking some questions. 
And do we have the trust and faith that choosing to follow Jesus is actually about many decisions, not a singular decision? Choosing to follow Jesus is a longer-term journey of saying, you know, we choose to give our trust to Jesus maybe in a moment. But then do we choose again the next day to say, well, I'm going to choose to keep walking in my faith. I'm going to choose to keep following Jesus' teachings, or I'm going to choose to pray. That's a huge one. That's a choice. Following Jesus is a series of many decisions that bring about changes in our lives, not just one singular moment. And so we've got to remember, sometimes we're just along someone's journey for part of that. It's pretty rare that we get to walk with someone the whole way. Sometimes you do, and that's awesome. But sometimes we walk with people for a part of their journey towards Jesus. So there's one more question that often comes up. What about if my friend has a different faith than I do? Sometimes we wonder this, like, what does it mean to share a faith with someone who has a different faith? And when Jesus was talking to his disciples and when Jesus was teaching, he made this statement. And this is a statement that sometimes we look at and we scratch our heads a little bit because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This is an exclusive statement. Jesus is the only way. And this verse is a barrier for a lot of people of saying, what do we do with this? And I'm not going to dig into the whole reasons why. In fact, I want to encourage you, if you are, want to ask that question, head to our website sometime. At the bottom of every page is a search bar and type in problem of exclusivity or problem of God and it'll be in the search results. We did a message last year all about this because what this actually comes down to, when we track what Jesus is saying and the bigger story that God was unfolding throughout all of humanity, when Jesus makes this statement, it is actually the most radically inclusive statement that has ever been made in the history of the earth. Because when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he is saying that that way is open to everyone. Not just open to a certain nationality, not just open to people of a, that lived in a certain geographical region, But this way of Christ, this path to God is open to everyone. We think this statement is exclusive, but it's actually inclusive. And so if you're talking with a friend who has a different set of beliefs than you do, and by the way, atheism and agnosticism, those are both systems of beliefs, just as much as Buddhism or Hinduism or Islam is. If your friend has a different set of beliefs than you do, spend more time listening than you do talking. Because as we listen to other people's faith, we actually show that they matter to us. We actually are showing God's love to them as we listen. And it actually creates opportunities for us to have conversations. And you can compare. And you can have these conversations about what does faith really mean? What are our different beliefs? How do they match up? Because I am convinced, and I've preached through this several times. If you want to go back to that Problem of God series, we tackled it several times through that series, that Christianity and following Jesus stands up as the only set of beliefs that makes sense. If you actually dig down into it, into what systems of belief, how they treat things like evil and suffering, how they treat those issues, following Jesus is the only one that makes sense. And so as you spend time listening, as you spend time talking, as you treat this as a longer journey, not just a formula, The Holy Spirit's working in those conversations. And the Holy Spirit will start revealing where 
following Jesus rises above when we look at our systems of beliefs. So how do we actually do this? What's, where does this boil down to? How do we talk about our faith in Jesus? And I said this isn't a formula, and this one isn't, but this is three simple statements. Brady Shearer of Pro Church Tools was the guy who introduced me to this. I didn't write these three statements myself, but I believe in them strongly. If someone wants to know about your faith, here's how we can do a better job. We can start with this. I believe I was put on this earth to make a difference. Everyone is here to make a difference. No one is here by accident. We're here to make a difference. And I believe that the best way to make a difference is through love. Love is what transforms and shapes the world, not anger. Love is what invites people into something bigger than themselves, not persecution. Love is what shows people what matters in life. And end with this, I believe that the greatest example of love is Jesus Christ, because he is. See, these statements, this path, invites a conversation about love. It invites a conversation about selflessness, about choosing to give of ourselves, about a, a perspective and a mindset of how we live that is deeply restorative, that is filled with healing, that is filled with hope, that is filled with meaning, that is filled with purpose. Because that's what it means to follow Jesus. So someone asked this question, are you being friendly just to invite me to church? You can say this instead. No, I'm being friendly because everyone deserves to know how much God loves them. Regardless of what your set of belief is, regardless of if you're open to talking about faith or not, everyone deserves to know how much God loves them, and we can show that in how we interact with people. So why does it matter to invite people to church? Because we still believe that we want to invite people into knowing who Jesus is. So why does this matter? And, and, and this is what it comes down to for me. No one person is a perfect representation of who Jesus is. But our hope as a church, as families of churches, as denominations, as Christians all over, is that all of us working as a team, using our spiritual gifts and our strengths, does a pretty good job of saying, this is what life with Jesus looks like. That's way too big of a responsibility for any one person to have on their shoulders. But all of us together, being the church, living as the church, that's when we get to say to people, you know, come here, come on a Sunday. You'll see a picture of what Jesus is like. You'll see a glimpse. You'll see a representation of what it means when a group of people choose to put their faith in God first. That's what we can reveal to people when we invite them to church. So next Sunday, we've got a new series starting, Simple Church. This series has been kind of, you know, heady, a little intellectual. We've been diving into some deep topics. Our next four weeks... We're going simple. We're talking about what does it actually mean to follow Jesus. Following Jesus does not have to be complicated. And so if you're thinking, you know, I've got someone, maybe a family member, maybe a friend that, you know, I want to introduce them to Jesus. You've been building a relationship with them. You've been building credibility with them. You've been building an authentic relationship. Next Sunday would be a great time to say, hey, do you want to see what my faith is about? Next Sunday would be awesome for that. And by the way, you know what? don't even tell them we're doing a barbecue potluck. Just bring an extra side dish, toss a couple extra lawn chairs in your vehicle, and then afterwards when we say, hey, let's all go eat, you're just like, yeah, come along. I got you covered. And spend some time around people. Because together, we represent Jesus better than any one of us could do on our own. Let me end with a word of prayer.
God, would you help us to do a better job of revealing who you are? Would you work in our lives and help us to live out the selfless love that you lived out so perfectly and so amazing? Would we choose to take the low places so that other people can understand your love for them? Would you help us to have better conversations? Would you help us to lean into faith, to lean into who we are, to wear our faith openly that when people interact with us, they see it? And God, would you guide us in the conversations that happen? Would you be going before us, softening people's hearts, giving us the words to say so that we can reveal your love, your hope, your purpose, your meaning, your redemption, your forgiveness, your grace, everything that you have done for us, you long to do for everyone. And so, Lord, as a church, would you help us do better at that? Would you help us to be even better witnesses for who you are together? In your name we pray. Amen. Folks, I hope you have a great week. Enjoy the long weekend, and we'll see you here next Sunday at 11 for Simple Church. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.